This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join me on today. And as always, a very special welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Boy, do I have a treat for you today. This is going to be fantastic. I think all of our shows are great. They're enlightening. Everybody brings something to the table that helps to expand people's horizons. I'm celebrating this show Nothing against anybody else, of course. Yeah, that's a posterity statement. This is an extra, 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 extra special show to me because the person that I'm about to introduce, there's actually two people here, and I'll introduce the two people, but there's one of the two people in particular uh, as I go overboard in my introduction and the person is on screen grinning and cheekbones are... So the, <laughs> the, this person... I just found out, even as we were getting ready to start recording, this person has been doing design work going all the way to with to Apple back in 1988. Nobody that has ever come on this show has that kind of a history. I love smart people. I love being around people that bring something to the table, which is something that's really lacking in UX today. People see somebody smart and they all try to figure out how to kill them. We need to celebrate people. So I'm going to start off by encouraging people to do that. Let's start celebrating people who really bring something to the table. Let's stop celebrating people who bring nothing to the table. Let's stop protecting people that bring nothing to the table and let's put all of our chess pieces in the right place. Let's get the rook off the knight. Don't start the game with the rook where the knight's supposed to be and the pawn where the queen's supposed to be. Let's get everything in the right place. If you really want UX to flourish, we got to put things in the right places. And one of the things, one of the ways we do that is to give honor where honor is due. And I am so, so, so very happy today to have with me uh, two people again, I'll introduce the second person first, Ayana Ivory, uh, who I appeared on her show. What show was that that you were doing that that I appeared on for you, Ayana, before we get to the other guests? Sure. It was for uh, Hack the Hood, the company I worked for. And uh, you came in and spoke with some young budding uh, learners about user experience. Yes, yes. And we had an absolute ball. I was just thinking about that again about, about a week ago, but we had a ball. Um, but Ayana is an extension of the other person that I just made all the raving about. She happens to be the daughter of this individual. His name is Spencer Ivory. Spencer's been doing UX work. He was doing usability back in 1988. Where were you in 1988? Were you even a thing? Were you Were you like use a family guy reset? Were you a twinkle in your daddy's eye? In 1988, or were you actually here? Uh, I had been in corporate America for seven years at the time, and I didn't even know what, what no, I had, I had an Apple IIc uh, before that, so I knew what Apple was. Yeah, I, I knew, so, but but I am so very happy to have with me today 
Spencer Ivory got a daddy-daughter UX duo here today. You don't see this too much. Uh, Spencer Ivory, his daughter Ayana, for another talking shop episode, and 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 me and Spencer are going to be doing most of it. Ayana wanted to sit in, like, come on, I'm I'm sure you got something to contribute from time to time, so she's going to chime in from time to time. But but I am so very happy to have the Ivories here with me today, and so now it's intro time. After that, person set uh, your your time to introduce yourself. Uh, we will start with you, Spencer. Please, sir, I am so happy to have you on today. Please introduce yourself to the audience and let everybody know who you are. Well, Darren, it's going to be kind of hard to follow up on all that. I mean, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, and you're you're right. You know, it's 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 a it's a good time to celebrate our. Contribution to the industry itself, and talk about that. Um, as myself, you know, yeah, I've been doing it for a while. I, I hate to date myself because then you become long in the tooth, and people go, well, "How old's this guy?" Well, my age is irrelevant. <laughs> here. I think that it's about the knowledge you gather as you go along the path of life. And to me, UX is that path of life that I chose. Um, the, 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 I don't know if it's unfortunate or misfortune. My daughter, as I said, I never encouraged her to get involved in this industry, but she 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 decided that's where she wanted to go. And kids, I hate to call her kids. She's my daughter. She's a young woman, but to me, <laughs> she should always be my kid. My 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 daughter decided to take it upon herself to to get involved in this industry, and I think it's it's a good industry if you show the passion and be honest with yourself about what you're doing. And if you have the opportunity to work with some a company that respects who you are, that's that's the beauty of all of this. Yes. So all I can do is just answer the questions and just be a participant. And sometimes I'm the fly on the wall when I go to meetings. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, you probably know what's going on in those conversations, and you could probably write a book on it. But then sometimes it's just good to be a fly on the wall, just be a consummate listener because that's when you learn more. And I never stop learning. I have not stopped learning, and, and I guess when the, you know, when the Grim Reaper comes for me to say his time is up, then you know I'll still be saying, you know, I'll probably be asking him questions. Well, why is my time now? Right? Can I get another? <laughs> can I get some more? I mean, and so it's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's a good time, and I appreciate you know Darren you for for inviting me on the show. Um, hopefully, I can contribute in a way that you know the listeners at your audience can find some value to it. And and let me let me say this. I my daughter hasn't been alerted to the fact but she still gotta produce my show that I had you <laughs> on and that's been her backlog of many things to do that uh, she has to do for me. But that's something that's another discussion for another time. So anyway, thank you for having me on. <laughs> Sounds good. And and before Ayana introduces herself, I am gonna say this, because uh, some of us have been talking about this lately. It was thought that I was the senior African-American UX practitioner in the world. Please know I'm making the official declaration here and now. It's not me. It's this guy. No. <laughs> Spencer no, Ivory. He may, I don't know if he ever thought about this. He's like, he, to my knowledge, is the senior practitioner, senior African-American UX practitioner in the entire world. He's right here on this show right here, right now. And, and to double back on something I said, um, I'm not going to get into certain cultural statements I could make here, uh, but African-American folks need to start celebrating their pioneer-oriented folks 
their leaders and disciplines. Because uh, we got a lot of two, three, and four-year folks. We got a lot of six-month and two-month folks that are trying to present themselves as thought leaders. Respect the people who've gone before you. It works in every other discipline. How about we do it here? <laughs> so that's it. Ayana. <laughs> Ayana, please introduce yourself to the audience today. Yes. Thanks, Dad. Yes, I will get on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> production. Thanks for my introduction. But um, yeah, I started, you know, my journey into user experience and design has been a little bit of a, a different kind of journey. I didn't start out knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and once I was in graphic design, I just I was like, okay, well, I'm doing this layout, but you know, how are people interacting with it? So I knew there was like, there was more to it. So I started taking more classes and finding out more. And, you know, when my dad had gone back to school, I was like, you're going to school for what? They got school for that? You know, they have a whole master's program. And so I just, um, it opened my eyes to, to see how, how deep the matrix really goes in in human interaction and experience with products. And it, it it blew my mind to, to then, you know, think of like, how do I interact with everything, you know, as using an app, like I have my, my phone is basically an app graveyard because I download so many apps and if the user experience (laughs) is terrible, I don't quite delete it, you know, but you know, I'll, I'll download some more. But yeah, it's been um, a journey starting with fashion design and and layout and then getting into uh, graphic design and human interface design and and then getting into like the user experience of it. So that's that's kind of been my journey into it. (laughs) That is dynamite. And I know a lot of people are going to want to hear more about that. Maybe one day we'll have to have a conversation just about that transition. Because uh, we got a lot of stuff that we're going to cover today, so I'll dive into that. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to park and lot that, uh, Ayana. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call on you for that because I think some people, they want. Everybody's excited about transitioning in the UX, and they want to know how can I leverage what I've done, and where are the, where are the relevant parallels that can help me to, to make that jump. And so that's another one that a lot of people I, I've heard, especially in India. I talked to somebody the other day who's in India and a lot of fashion designers in India are starting to get in the UX. How do you do it? And, and folks need to be better. I think I talked about that on another episode about transitioning in the UX, recognizing parallel, parallel things, things that you did in other, in other jobs that actually are parallel with user experience. And that's the best way to make the inroads and to evaluate whether or not you really fit, which apparently you have done that. So congratulations on that. That's great stuff. We have several topics that are on the docket. And as folks who listen know, we may not get to all these. (laughs) It depends on how things go, but we are indeed going to try. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. We're just going to see how how far we get. But as we were going through, we have a warm-up. Every time somebody's on the show, we start talking in general and certain hot topics come up. Like, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. People want to hear about that. That's going to be great. And, and there was one thing that that uh, Spencer was talking about that really, I, I hear a lot of people asking about this, um, especially people who were trying to transition in and maybe they're like uh, academics who want to get more into, into UX or people who are doing other types of work. And the term or the concept of consulting comes up. 
And when somebody is just, this is the first thing they want to do. Um, one of the things folks need to do is get educated. What What is consulting about when it comes to UX? How do you go about doing this? How ready is somebody for it? There are so many different things that I think people could educate them on. So we want to tap into the jukebox today that is Spencer Ivory and get him to bring up a bunch of this information. So he'll say, oh, no, I don't want to be long-winded. Man, long-wind yourself away here. Spencer, (laughs) let's shed some knowledge about consulting. What are your thoughts, any and everything that you have on UX consulting today? You know, consulting is one of those risk-reward things, right? You have to look at it from a risk-reward perspective, and it's, it's scary. I mean, especially if you're trying to keep the lights turned on in your home or you got a family to feed because the longevity of projects depending upon the market conditions and managers and the conversations you have and, and being astute to, you know, what's really transitioning around you. But, but the consulting world has matured over the years. I think when I got that first contract at Apple computer um, and how I was approached and, you know, the individual sold my skill sets to Apple. And then you go in and you talk to a hiring manager about, you know, what can you do for them? So you, it's sort of like you learn on the fly to, you have to be, you have to drop in what I would say, it's akin to the D-Day landings. And I, and I hate to harken back, but it's sort of like when, when the, when they drop the parachute, the guys behind the enemy lines, you, you get scattered, you don't have your ammunition, your guns, some guys are landing without their, with, with their main due diligence to, do, to conduct battle. In a way, consulting is like that. You're thrown behind the wall or over the wall into a moxie mix of things, and you just don't know what's going to come at you. So, But whatever comes out of that dark or whatever comes from behind that wall or that darkness, you have to be able to deal with it. Or if not deal with it, absorb it. But at the same time, learn on the fly, go, because you, you got to hit the, as I said, you hit the ground running. Consulting is about coming in, ramping up fast, absorbing, sometimes, as they say, drinking from the fire holes or mm-hmm. absorbing a lot of material in a short period of time and be able to process it. And then in the case of UX, be able to lay down some tracks. I mean, because literally you, you get tested. And I think, some and you can tell when they're testing you. Well, if you do it long enough, they, they, they'll come and poke you and go, "Well, we really know that," and and they'll ask these kind of questions, and you know, okay, fine, let you want to go there, we go there, and you show them what you you know what the, your merit and worth is. So, consulting is it's it's as I said, it's nerve wracking, but then you learn to embrace it, and then you talk to other fellow, you know, you go to different conventions and things of this nature and you talk to other people who are in the business and you listen to them talk about how, what their experience is, because obviously each, each one of us have a different path. And I think Dara and I talked about some of this, about the, the ethical questions and then, you know, being one of the few minorities. Cause I know when I started out, I was the only speck in the milk as we would say, right. You know, <laughs> we're going to these conferences and I'm like, wow. I would be the only one and it'd be like maybe, maybe one other person. And, uh, and we would kind of like look at each other when we pass and lunch, the lunch line, like, Oh, wow, you're, you're here too. And yeah, I'm here. Uh, what do you, where do you work at? Oh, well, I, 
I kind of work at this place. And what do you do? So it's it's one of those things being, you know, you're in an industry that's predominant, you know, uh, in one in one direction, but you, you, you learn to flourish, you know, you know, it's sort of like the seed falling among the rocks. I mean, you either the birds are either going to get you or you better put down some roots and hang in there for a while, right? <laughs> because it's all about hanging in there and doing your job and doing your due, and then you bootstrap your way up. You bootstrap your way up. You just try things. And then sometimes you're, you're, you're working on the fly, right? You're throwing things on the wall, right? You know, you have those virtual whiteboards and you're doing the Xfinity diagrams, you're posting up stuff on the post. And this is pre-posted days of design thinking where we're just kind of like hacking mm-hmm. it up with people in rooms and just writing stuff down before it became design thinking, right? Or people coined those phrases. So that's what to me consulting is. It's just, it's just, a, it's a moxie of just different things being thrown at you, the, you as the individual and being able to comprehend and deal with it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one other uh, question there because I know it's gonna come up and somebody's gonna write me. What is the biggest challenge you face in consulting? I think the biggest challenge you face in consulting is trying your best to be honest without losing your job, right? <laughs> kind of a weird situation to be in, right? You, you. It's like telling the parents that. This baby is ugly. I don't care how, whatever you're going to do. And they, people say they have that coin phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, this time you better throw everything out and start over. I think sometimes just being terribly honest, honest and speaking the truth, because but then you have to understand what that truth is, right? You just can't ad hoc your way in. Right. You've, you've seen enough of that to say these things and you have to be able to substantiate it, corroborate it, substantiate it, but then entertain the further discussions, right? Because people will come at you from all different directions because, you know, organizations think of UX as like, well, why I got to pay this much money for this guy? I had a guy at Microsoft, I, well, I'm going to say this, he says, I think I'm paying you too much money. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm being paid and being insulted by you. Right. And then, you know, he made it he made it his job to figure out how he could make me so uncomfortable to the day I went in and said, you know, I can't work with this guy anymore or I can't go in because because some 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 environments can be very toxic and vile and they know they can do this with con- contractors and get away with it. Right. At a certain extent. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't go running to HR and go, well, he insulted me. Well, you're just a contractor. You're you're. Everybody's hired at will. Even even you know you know FTE people are hired at will. But as a contractor, you don't you don't get the privilege of FTE. You're like they call the service and go get him out of here. You know, you know he's he's a problem. So the problem is being honest and telling the truth about a product or design you're working with, and trying to stay in the job long enough to articulate that right because. Too often people want to dismiss you because you're not on board with their strategy. And sometimes the strategy is wrong. So it's just mm-hmm. being honest. That's the hardest part. I think that's the hardest part of being, being honest with people. Awesome. Being honest with periodic managers. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. And, and I won't take out my soapbox on that one because that's a huge problem in the U.S. community because the U.S. community in general lacks honesty. 
And yeah. I, I am known regularly for saying there's a lot of cowards in the UX world, and they don't want to say what they need to say. And, and so then they become political. And as soon as you become politically correct, then your value as a UX person goes out the window. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just devalue yourself. By, yes. But you know, by, by just doing this politically correct stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, you're right. You can keep a lot of jobs by politically correct. I mean, it, my recent extent at this company, this big bank institution in San Francisco, I wasn't politically correct. Well, then I realized all of a sudden they kept asking me these questions like, oh, Spencer, um, people at that meeting decided that you were on board with that. And they saw that in your work that you turned in. I'm like, no, you asked me to innovate. And I'm not going to give you the same thing that you've already done because that's innovation is trying something new. Well, <laughs> trying something new. We're innovating here. And this, oh, this is the innovation group. But is it innovation of just showing you rehash of what you already got or stepping out on that limb and say, you know what, here are some potentials. These are some things you need to consider. But, you know, they ushered me out. I was sort of like, wait, you know, um, can you finish up those training classes? Because this, this, Banking institution prides themselves on taking your training class. Oh, and then the next day you go, you know, you, you, you just didn't fit. I said, but why are you running me through the training classes? You could have told me this on Wednesday and Thursday is my last day. So you get this kind of silliness in organizations mm-hmm. because, but then, you know, I'm going to predicate this because she said she was not a UX manager. She didn't know what the, she didn't know how to push back on those people. See, here's the thing in an organization. If you have a good manager who knows how to push back, because she could have went back to them and said, you know what? I know the value of this guy's work. I'm the manager, and I will stand up behind his work. What he said may have not heard, you may have not heard or wanted to listen to what he said, but he still does quality work. And I'm not going to just toss them out, but but I was showing the door. So this is the part about consulting that when you're honest and you tell the truth, they show you the door, right? You, yep. But then you got to like, you no, know there's other jobs out there, and, and I, I I could I'm not going for one. And my phone rings nonstop during the day with these contractor people, oh, I got this job for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, so now I used to say yes to everybody. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just start saying no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm, then, I, then I start to find who's, who's, who's the client and what do they want me to do? Uh, can I see the job description? I said, no, this job description is not right. Mm-hmm. You need to take it back. You better send it back to HR and fix it. If I can't do this, this, and this, then I don't want it. And then they come back go, Okay, she rewrote it, and, and she said that they really want to talk to you. I said, you know what? I think I got something else going on right now. See, but see, this is how you have to educate yep. them or HR about who you are and what you're expecting because you say yes and you go into these firefights, and it's a, you're you're at a disadvantage because you don't have any authority because you're a contractor. And then if they put you in a power position, be careful because they got the daggers come out because I was working at Comcast and they put me in a power position. Oh, the daggers came out. They came. <laughs> Anytime somebody says Comcast, I do that. Sorry. Uh, I was working at this organization 
and I was put in a power position and then the daggers came out. Mm-hmm. So, and so it was interesting to see how all of a sudden we went from Kumbaya, everybody was all on board with UX to the daggers, right? Well, why is he, why is he running the show? And uh-huh. why is he telling you what to do? And then the guy who was hired as the prima donna UX guy, he couldn't explain a font to the to the manager, she kept saying she said the size of the text is too big. He didn't understand what a font was. I'm like, and he's he's what? He's he's at this <laughs> level? He doesn't want to have fonts? Seriously? What is he doing in telling me about UX and what I can and can't do? Well, because some director told him that all the accessibility had to be a certain way. But did you understand you only apply those principles on what you're trying to do? And if you're trying to do doesn't fit the the problem, then why are you just sort of force fit? So you get this <laughs> stuff, man. You work in these environments and you just, it, it, it's creepy. You get creepy about it. So I learned, you know, to just say, you know what? And I went in the next day and said, you know, I'm done. I said, I said in the meeting, I said, you know what? I said, maybe my time here is done. And I'd been there a year, basically a year. I said, I think I've come to the dead end in the road, or this is where the fork in the road goes. I'm going left, and you guys can continue to go that way. And the manager, the, the executive manager reached out to me, and she was like pining, priming, throwing everything. And I, you know, it felt good to say, tell someone who really wants you to tell them no. You know what? I just, I just don't think this is a good match. And I think I need to go someplace else and go deal with other issues for other organizations. And I left. So you, this is the thing about consulting. You get to say no too. You can say no too. You have to be, but you have to understand who you are, your sense of value. What, what do you bring to the table? And at the same time, you know, how do you add value to the organization and those people around you? And by the end of my my stint there, the dagger haters, the haters became they were like my they were like my biggest fans, right? Because they were yeah. like, hey, why you got to go, man? You know, like, dude, is, <laughs> did you hear what he said? <laughs> did you not hear what he said? <laughs> it, it's so great to be empowered, uh, and I'm, and I'll, I think I saw Ayana's hand, so I'm gonna let you tag in here in a moment. But I just love that's why I have a lot of short stints. I feel like a consultant sometimes, yeah, because. People say, someone wants, they hired me. I want you to be a senior to my seniors. I'm like, okay, I like the sound of that. After about six months, I found myself saying, does she ever get their buy-in on that concept? (laughs) Because everybody wanted my head on a platter. And you may have heard me tell the story before. That's the place where I did my talk on emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the talk, a riot broke out. When everybody did their this little that little test from Mind Tools, a little quick and dirty, not, not extremely scientific, but just something to get people started, and they did it, and everybody saw their score, and then they asked me what my score was, and I think the top score is like seventy five or eighty, and I'm like three points off of that, and they started making excuses for why my score was so high. They started complaining about the books that I was recommending to them. They just went ballistic. I'm going, okay, well, you just prove why your score is so low. Uh, but <laughs> because that's the improper response to somebody else doing a good job. I mean, I'm, I'm older for God's sake. My, my EQ score better be higher 
than that. If I'm older, I've been in corporate America for a long time. I I know how things are. Yeah, I should, I know my way around. Not just UX, but my business acumen level is off the charts. I, I didn't just get two master's degrees to go somewhere and be an idiot. So, so yeah, yeah, my score is going to be high. But it's just amazing how people the 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 massive amounts of inferiority complexes that not just dealing with in you and UX it's across business world uh, mm-hmm. at large, but you know, we're, we, we're living in the land of UX. So we're, we're going to see these things more and, and then we're sensitive to these things. And so it, it's just wild. It's just wild. So I, I, I feel like a consultant cause when, okay, I think it's time to move on. Uh, I'm not going to be appreciated. Uh, they're defending the perp on the team more than they're defending me. Uh, I, I don't feel supported at all, but the person who's done nothing and actually has no value proposition, they, they're, everybody's in love with their potential. So, you know, that kind of thing. No, it, it, no, we, we, we're not gonna stay here. I worked at one company and I always joke about, uh, how, uh, two people, uh, there were four parties and two of them had a leg each and the other two had an arm each and they were all pulling in their direction. And, 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 and literally, and I've told the story before I almost died when I was working there and I was in the hospital for three days. When I got back to work, nobody even bothered to say, how you doing? Glad to have you back. I hope everything's okay. They, it was just business as usual. And that's when I, the light bulb went off. I'm like, it's time to go. And, yeah. and, and I got into that case because I was bending over backwards. I'm a very intense person, as you probably guess. I'm very intense. I, I, I don't tolerate anything for myself. I'm a high achiever to the nth degree. And, and to do that and then have nobody to support you, it's not a good position to be in. So yep. I, guess I did the consultant thing and oh, away I go. So, well, but, it's sort of like being on a high wire act, right? You got no net, ooh, man. You, know, and you, you, you have to be willing to take that plunge, right? And I don't know my daughter get in here real quick, but the guy I worked at, at, at Apple, he told me what well, this, this other developer and he, he was, he had been doing this quite longer than I have. He said, Spencer, listen, he says, and he gave me a piece of valuable advice. He said, don't worry about it. Cause when Apple came in and said, Hey, you know, that code you were writing, we're not going to use it and we're going to let you go. Well, I didn't get thrown out. They didn't, they let me go, but I wound up working in marketing because they just sort of like Apple kind of like reuse you did. They don't throw you out. They reuse, they recycle you. So I got recycled into marketing <laughs> and I got tighter with the UX part of the group because you know, I had been working with people. I was writing this app for SQA, but then I had been working with people in marketing, you know, doing some evaluation for them. And that's how my career in UX kind of got blossomed. But anyway, he told me, he said, Spencer, listen, he said, you work at this long enough, people are just going to come and let you go. He said, don't even worry about it, man. He, he said, take it and keep moving. And that was, a, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, it was some, it was a piece of valuable advice because, you know, you're just kind of, when you first start, you're on edge all the time, but you know, you gotta do the right thing, say the right thing, get your work done and they can come in tomorrow and just let you go. But you, you gotta get beyond that. You just have to see yourself. You have to see the other side of, of progress before you become panicking about where it is the now, right? Living in the now because we live, for what's right there, but then we have to say, okay, what's the bigger picture for myself? Awesome. Awesome stuff. Ayana, and we finally got around to your hand being up there, but uh, you want to go ahead and chime in here some on, on part of what we were just discussing? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, it was, I think the question was around what's the most difficult thing about consulting. Yeah. And that's where we started. Um, so, <laughs> we're halfway around uh, the world there. Yeah. But um, I would say, cause I've, I've been consulting and, you know, sometimes the client will start asking for more than what's in the scope of what we initially agreed on. <laughs> and they start packing on all these other things. And it's like, yeah, I can do that, but it's not really within the scope. And, you know, it kind of is, but it's, it's not really. And it's sort of like balloons. And so it sometimes it gets a little difficult to like wrangle the, the client back into the scope because I know that they need these things but we set out on this path and now you want to venture off down this path and this path and this path. And um, yeah, so that's been a, a, a little bit of a challenge. I've, I've often called my dad and said, dad, what do I do? You know, and ask him <laughs> for advice. He's like, well, Yana, you got to tell them, you know, that this is what you can do. And if they want to do this, you got to charge them more for it. Or, you know, see, maybe look into hiring um, somebody else to, so you can like offload some of the, the workload too. So I can focus on, uh, on another part, you know, and deliver it as a complete component. And so I think that's been um, something I've learned, you know, as I've, I've grown in this like consulting part of, uh, of business. That's fantastic. You have a good, very good advice. It's, I run into that a lot, uh, to the point where I have started. I remembered, I can't remember what class I took where I learned about this. Cause when I was first working, when I got my first full-time UX gig and, and we didn't really do it then, but it was definitely my first job at a creative agency. They would have a statement of work. So we knew what we were trying to accomplish, the time frame in which we were going to do it. It was just fantastic. And I took a class around the same time. Uh, I can't remember which school I was at or which program, but I took a class where they talked about the importance of project charters. And it was in a project management course. I know that. And I'm going, I need to take this with me the rest of my career. This is, this is amazing. And I keep seeing the same type of thing come up that you mentioned, Ayana, that, that to have that project charter in place, especially if the UX maturity level is low, because people will, will every time you meet, I've, I've been in, in meetings where every time you meet, the scope changes. And like, we're, we're never gonna get anywhere if the scope keeps changing. And then when things don't happen the way they initially wanted them to happen, who gets blamed? The UX team, <laughs> the UX operation does. So something that I've really been big on, uh, the, the job that I just left, because I started a new job on Monday, but the job I just left, that we need to have a project charter in place at the beginning of projects so we it always serves as that point of reference. So when people, when, when we have scope, somebody's trying to expand the scope, we got to go back to that. So we remember, this is what we agreed to do. Okay, if you need this, if on the line of what you just said, if this is that important and you think we need to do it, then we need to modify the charter but, and then you don't want to modify the charter every week, but we need to let people know, let's do this. How about we make that another project later? How critical is that to do now? Because we are the voice of reason. I heard somebody yep. say that early in my career, UX is the voice of reason. And so we have to embrace that, uh, beat back the, the order taker mindset, which I think a lot of people today are, don't know that we're not order takers. 
And and then when you get order, when you become an order taker, you, you like signing your own death warrant from a business perspective. <laughs> it looks like you're about to say something there, Spencer. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you know my daughter brings up a good point about the fact of the scope creep. But the you know the beat back on that is if you just do agile, right? Agile just cuts all that stuff down because now you have your epic. Your epic says this is how big the sky is. And then you break stuff down the stores. You go, this is the story we're working on. I'm sorry. So I think the thing yes. is there are, <laughs> there are effective tools to, to, to keep all that scope creeps craziness in line because, you know, for the longest time, I don't know where you got involved or got involved with agile development. I hated it because UX just <laughs> did not fit. Yeah. Just couldn't, I, I couldn't cram I couldn't cram waterfall, all that stuff we did in waterfall. And you know all the stuff that goes on in waterfall into a two-week spread. But do you know, over the last, I want to say the last 10 years, I had to embrace it. I learned yeah. the lean UX. But do you know the value? If you if if Agile is done correctly, because you know, I went back to school, got my my that skin on the wall. And the thing that I learned about agile design and development is the fact is that you, you divide and conquer and you chunk things up because yes. from that epic, that big picture, because the marketing manager comes and go, why well, I want this, I want that. And you go, okay, fine. Let's, let's sit down and write the story for this thing. And you go, ain't going to happen. Right. Cause development is going to say, well, you know, we got a two week sprint. What do we, what do you, what do you want? You got two weeks. What do you want? <laughs> so now you got these stories, right? Yeah. So now everything, chunkified for you and you can control scope creep because you now you now have the, as you say the the charter on the wall which is the epic and it says the user is going to do blah 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 right you know he and he well, you know what what is it outtake well he wants to do this and this is his goal and this is what that story so you now have these little bite-sized pieces that you can just sort of like keep them on pace and on par so that's to me, the way you deal with this, the analogous scope creep. Well, the, the project manager says, I heard you've interviewed you for this, and this is what we want you to do. And he said, okay, let's, 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 okay, you do agile development? Great. I, I, I always say, you do great agile development? Yeah, and then now we go, I said, okay, here's your epic. And I lay it all out. Does that cover everything? Yeah, that covers everything. Said, now let's break this up into stories, bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. That's then they can't, they can't do that to you anymore. They can't do that to you. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, there, it works. It is, yes. it's like, yeah, it is it's like a silver steak you put in Dracula's heart, right? You go to his crib and you go, bang, dude, you're dead. <laughs> I got, I got your steak and you are now history. What about it, folks? I told you you were in for a treat this week. This conversation was so enriching and it was so energetic. It got really, really long, so I decided to split this into three segments. So this is the end of part one of the segment with Spencer Ivory and his daughter, Ayana. We're going to pick up with part two next week. Uh, so we're going to wrap up here today, folks. That is all the time we have for today. I think that's a good place to end. We'll pick up next time. So until then, it's time to sign off. This is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.